All right, everybody, welcome back to Frontside the Podcast, episode 20, part B, otherwise known as episode 21. It's just like episode 21, but half as good. It's no, it's 50% better. 50% better. This is yeah. like, this is the bonus, this is the cream. So I don't know how yeah. we're going to represent it in the show notes, uh, but it's, it's going to be one of those two. It's going to be it's going to be fifty percent better because Stanley's here. Hi, Stanley. Oh yeah, that's right. S- strong open, Str- strong open, strong. Very, I would say strong to quite strong. Um, probably definitely in our top twenty-one uh, of all time. It's definitely going up there. Oh, I see what you did there. Twenty-one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, happy uh, happy twenty-third. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It is your birthday. Happy God, birthday, everybody. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to Stanley. Yeah, I, do I just curse so Aaron has to edit this out or <laughs> uh please don't cuz it's awesome. And uh yeah, it's a good day. It's been a good uh we had a good time at the EmberConf and we didn't finish talking about it. We kind of Stanley, you, you you probably don't realize this about Charles and I, but sometimes we have a tendency to get a little sidetracked in our conversations and maybe we went off a little bit. Yeah, I remember we 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 uh we I, I remember we were supposed to, you know, we were, we were, we were going to mention just a few non-technical things. And I was like, wow, we burned 35% of our podcast talking about beef ribs. Um, <laughs> and that's what keeps the people coming back. Yeah. They, people love hearing about food. It's probably, uh, food on the radio is probably the most popular thing uh, in the 1930s. So, Speaking but, of which, now's a good time to go to our sponsor, Applebee's. <laughs> you Man, speaking Applebee's. of beef ribs. You know, got those baby back ribs. You got, some <laughs> chi- of- you got some chicken explosions, whatever those are. <laughs> given given the amount of time that we waste, the amount of time spent talking about food, it was actually one of the things that made me feel most dim about the Ember community is like finding people who are like, oh, yeah, great podcast. Man, what? grow some taste, people. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> Charles just told you, if you're listening to this right now, Charles has told you that, I, that listening to this was just a bad idea. Pretty much. Let's, we're going to spend 25 minutes confirming that, talking about EmberConf. <laughs> no, it's going to be good. I'm actually really excited to talk about this stuff. Like, there's there's way too much. I knew it was going to be a problem because there's way too much that happened over that weekend to cram it all into uh, a half hour. And so I'm glad Stanley's here to help us uh, remember better than, than, than we might. So we have kind of a list of all the stuff that happened thanks to uh, the, uh, the amazing Lauren Tan who took pretty meticulous notes, apparently. Uh, about what went on uh and uh we, we didn't really even get finished talking about her talk last week yep it was actually you know we were going to drive we were going to split these podcasts up into day one and day two um but yeah we didn't get enough treatment for day one i know uh you know after after we did the first uh, podcast i was talking to casey um and she was she mentioned both lauren's talk and chris's talk which we didn't really touch on uh in any great detail and uh one of the things that she was talking about that i really agreed with um, especially with, with Lauren's was how she really kind of um, delved into the interplay between form and function. Like it felt like uh, there was one of the kind of the themes of the talk was that form really does fun- follow function and a little bit vice versa and gave you great like crisp examples of both the form, like how it looked, how it behaved, and then the actual function like the code. And both were really, really good, um, really great examples of both uh, design and behavior, as well as the code that backs it up and showing exactly where that rubber meets that road uh, and the kind of the yin-yang and the interplay between those two things. Uh, and so I thought that was a good take. 
on it. I, I agree. I mean, like the um, uh, there is a strong emphasis uh, in the Ember community on design in every meaning of the word. Uh, there's a strong emphasis on like the on the uh, even the graphic side of design and taste on that side of things. Uh, there's a strong emphasis on uh, design in terms of looking at things holistically. So um, it's very you know it inherits a lot from I would say uh, Yehuda's experience on the, in the Rails community probably and and just his general personality. Uh, certainly Tom's uh, working at Apple. Uh, the, the, everything about it seems very holistic, and so it attracts these people who come from more diverse backgrounds. So a lot of designers that also code coming in and saying, hey, we're using this technical tool to design experiences. And let's talk about how those two things kind of, if, if you use them right, they can work in concert. Uh, it's not just purely a, a technical exercise, which is novel, I would say, for a lot of people who have been doing you know computer science since the old days. Um, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, and then the other thing that uh, in that actually in that same conversation, that same kind of wrap up conversation that I was having uh, with her was Chris's talk on the the, the dynamic graph composition uh, and just how how cool it was to see someone be so methodical to say let's let's we've got this this abstraction which is how to render sets of data and let me go to let me go to the research which has nothing to do with Ember. That has nothing to do with JavaScript, nothing to do with the web, and how do we how do we visually represent large data sets and the relationships between the points in those data sets, and then take that and then cleanly go through the process of transformation into actual code uh, that you can use, and mm. seeing that kind of step by step, and and you know she was pointing out, and I think I was agree, it was you know to see someone so young being so rigorous. Uh, an academic in in their implementation was really really refreshing and really really cool. It's like oh wow, you know it, it felt a little bit empowering. Like I can actually go out there. I can I can you know I can do the research and I can I, I really the 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 world is open to me not just in the JavaScript libraries can find but really like any research that I'm finding anywhere uh, and I can I can make that real uh, in my applications and and so it was that was that was a really really fantastic talk too. Um, and I think that 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 point bears repeating. Yeah, I don't know. What about you, Stanley? Anything in uh, day one stick out for you? Ooh, day one. So it's funny you mentioned research. I feel like that was probably Tom's least favorite talk because research is the opposite of thought leadership. <laughs> <laughs> research is the essence of the opposite of thought leadership. Yeah, research um, is like thought followership. Yeah. <laughs> So in addition to Lauren's talk, I really liked hers. It was a lot of stuff I had never thought before or like knew how to articulate. When it comes to design, I'm not really a designer, but I, I have enough taste where it's like, well, you know, this is not what I want, but I don't know how to say this isn't what I want because X. And I think the form and function has a lot to do with that. So I really like Lauren's talk. But the two other talks I really liked from day one was... Uh, Luke Malia's talk about the art of Ember deployment and Godfrey's talk. Um, so we'll start with Luke's talk. And it's cool to me for a number of reasons, uh, just because being a, a developer in Rails for the past couple of years, like the Rails asset pipeline, I think is super great if you fit within its needs. But as soon as you want outside tools or anything, it's kind of difficult to deploy. It's slow because you have the interop between JavaScript and Ruby and it's kind of a bummer that you have to uh, restart your Rails server just to deploy new assets. So kind of 
Luke and some other people have been rethinking that. So that's been that's been super cool. It was cool for him to announce uh, Ember Seal I Deploy, which is, it reminds me a lot of Capistrano, but, uh, well, I guess like Capistrano, it, it has a lot of backends and you can write your own adapters. It feels really well thought out. And I thought it was really cool that there were three different projects in the Ember community and they're, and they're like, oh, hey, we're doing like the same thing and we care about the same stuff. Like, how do we make this like one group effort thing that everybody else can just use? And like now your deployment strategy is you're doing one of these few things anyway, so we can do a lot of that work for you. Super cool. I kind of saw that as a call to action at the meta level too, of like if you're out there and you're maintaining a project, you should be actively looking for other people who are solving the same problems and see if you can, if you can merge them and you can collaborate because two is definitely better than one and three minds are better, better, definitely better than two and, and so on and so forth. And I kind of saw it as a way to, to really you know, increase the awesome of the community. If, if everybody could do that for their own particular domain of expertise in which they happen to be operating. Uh, and so, you know, that's definitely a lesson that I took from that too. It was an awesome talk. Inspiring. I mean, that, yeah, that's kind of the reasons why I like Luke a lot. Very early when I was getting into Ember, I mean, I thought Luke was on the core team at first because he was so active in, in, in stuff. And I think Luke could be if he wanted to be, but he's busy doing other things that are also very valuable, like coordinating these kind of efforts running conferences, that kind of stuff. And Ember NYC is great. So Luke, if you're listening, he's a cool guy. So like, thanks for all your, all the work you've been doing. I think he may actually be, wind up being our next guest that we have. He's here in town this week. Uh, we may not get him on this week uh, just because our schedules might not line, line up, but uh, we definitely want to talk to him more about this. Like it's, it's certainly a subject that I, I, he, he's, he's done the most interesting stuff over the last year. And, and, and now having done it, He's making it reproducible so lots of other people can do it, which that's ex- – anyway, I, he gets community at a level that um, I think few people do, and uh, th- there's a lot we could learn from him. Do they post talks from South By? Are they recorded? Uh, I don't know, but he is speaking at South By, but by the time – yeah, by the time anybody hears this, the, the that will have already happened. I think it may be today uh, as we record it, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's here speaking at South By uh, about more general Ember stuff. So anyway, yeah, I th- I agree that was awesome, and Godfrey's talk was awesome. So Godfrey's talk was it was not only very entertaining. Uh, Godfrey is if you're not familiar with the Ruby community, uh, Godfrey is very active there. He's a Rails contributor, if not on core, he's very active in the documentation, and he's led the way for four zero, four one, and four two, getting those all like Rails just has great documentation and guides. So. I was excited to see that he was giving a talk, and uh, Tenderlove, who's uh, Aaron Patterson in the in the Ruby community, just has a spectacular way of speaking and explaining technical subjects that's engaging and funny, and uh, at the same time very informative and very straightforward to follow. And I I feel like I didn't learn a lot about Ember Data, but that's because I work on Ember Data. So it it's it was kind of like wow, this is a great talk, but at the same time, it was like wow, this is everything ever anybody really needs to know about Ember Data if your API doesn't meet the quote unquote Ember Data format, which we're moving to JSON API. But definitely check that out if you're if you're having trouble or you're just interested more in how that works. And also, he has a a cool demo 
app to show you at the end, which is great. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a lot, obviously a lot, a lot more that happened that day. Um, but the good news is people can kind of go watch these talks and, and, and see there were, there wasn't a clunker among them. And I'm glad that we could say that because you would, I wouldn't say there isn't one if there, if there was one and I wouldn't have said anything if there, if there were one, like I would have just been like, yeah. And most of the talks are really awesome. So they were all, uh, really terrific. Uh, day, and then, so I want to jump into day two, uh, move things along. There was a bunch of stuff that happened, a bunch of stuff that happened. So much stuff. So, um, uh, Anything on day two uh, strike you, Charles? Oh my goodness, there was uh, there was so much. Um, I guess we could start off with the with Dan's talk. Yay! Which uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, he was trying to explain. He was trying to explain it to me uh, the night before, and I was like, it was not like gelling in my head. But I kind of appreciate now more the the, the problems that he's trying to solve. Um, kind of seeing it in the full context. Um, I actually think. Uh, if I could redo the Orbit README, I would state it like, these are the problems that you're having, and this is how Orbit can can come to the rescue. And uh, uh, just how, you know, basically thinking of your client really is just one node in a distributed data system that's eventually, hopefully eventually consistent. And how do you manage the transfer of data, the flow of data around your application ecosystem from your client to your server, and even from within the client? So you've got real-time updates coming in, uh, over the web, you might be going offline, so you've got some stuff in local storage, and then you've got some stuff in memory. And how do you? What's what's the arbiter, and how do you maintain coherence uh, of of your data picture? Um, and so I really, you know, am really interested uh, because this is something that we run up uh, against a lot. Um, and so I'm, it's definitely high on my list of things to check out uh, Orbit JS for for how to see how it can solve some of the problems that we have every day, if I can actually find some time uh, in between all the other stuff that we have to do. But, uh, and I'm curious too, because I'm curious to hear you, you know, what you have to say, Stanley, about how this, how, what, the, what the story is with Orbit and Ember Orbit, uh, how, how that melds with Ember data. Cause I know that like uh, Yehuda also tweeted something like, and this is by the way, totally philosophically aligned with Ember data, which is good to hear, um, but a little bit hand wavy and like, where does the, where does the, the rubber hit the road there? Um. I was talking with Dan a bit about this. Uh, I was watching the talk and it was very obvious to me that this is, and I guess people have been saying this for a while, but for me, it was a revelation of uh, it should be easy to do the right thing when it comes to UX. So it, a lot of us have like these supercomputer phones that run web pages and we build apps on that sometimes. And for me, it was kind of like the, in, in line with Ryan Florence's React talk where it's like, I hate being able to say no, and when you go offline or you know you have slow latency, I think that's another way of saying no to your users. So I think a pain point in Ember Data for a long time has been like, well, I have this canonical record, but it's not easy to copy it or uh, I want to modify it and then sync changes back. So just watching the talk, it it was. It was obvious to me that Orbit had really thought about these problems from a UX perspective of, like Dan brings up, you know, you have save and cancel and things like that and uh, undo and redo. And it's been very interesting to see those conversations go back and forth. So as far as Ember Data, I can't promise anything, but uh, I'm very interested in playing with uh, both Ember Orbit and Orbit 
seeing what that kind of looks like if uh, we can keep the public API of Ember data the same and kind of give you an like an orbit store underneath that you don't need to know about unless you want to do stuff like like store forking. I know we've we've wanted for a long time and orbit has that out of the box. So just talking with Dan, you said orbit is probably pretty likely to change in terms of usability because it's not quite there yet in terms of like it's not an Ember data where there's I, I mean there are some higher level concepts and stuff, but Dan's working on making that super easier to work with. And one of the things I like a lot about Orbit is it's uh, it's not Ember specific, which I really like because it, it means we get to have people doing different implementations with like not only JSON API, but people are going to definitely work on composing adapters together and stuff and exposing Orbit in an Ember idiomatic way seems pretty exciting to me. I'm I'm really excited uh, for Dan to kind of, I don't know if it'll be a one thing. Um, it's something I'm interested in. We haven't figured out if, you know, the two projects can be, you know, like peanut butter and jelly and and stuff like that. But it, it's, it's definitely very exciting. And if we can't integrate Orbit, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say we'll be stealing some of its ideas. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's no rush on that. I mean, like, I think, you know, a, a common question is, you know, when is Ember data going to be ready? When is it going to be 1.0? And I know that there's this, you know, the deadline of uh, June, was it June 12th, uh, that it's uh, going to ostensibly go into public beta. But I think, uh, you know, Torn actually said something to me in the in the hall track, which really, like, that's one of the things I took away from EmberConf and stuck with me. is like, you have to realize that the problem that Ember data is solving is as complex or more complex than Ember itself. So, you know, there's, it's, it's just going to take time to flesh yeah. all this stuff out. And it doesn't, like right now, the focus of the brain power is not like on this problem. Like it's gotten a lot of love, true. But like there's, it's, it's, it's going to be something that's going to evolve. And, and uh, it's, it's going to be both as complex and as awesome, hopefully, as, uh, as, as the framework itself. But and, it might also take as long to bake. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Dan, by the way, Dan has done awesome work for getting uh, JSON API uh, into a 1.0 state, and we're kind of waiting on Steve Klabnik to push the OK button. But like, really, thanks to Dan for that. That means we can like finally have a format for the Ember data guides. So I'm really excited to hear hear that. So if you if you see Dan or you see him online, just say hey, thanks for JSON API, and uh, maybe we'll have Dan. Dan and Steve on to talk about it. I, I'm very excited. So if you're not familiar, JSON API is just, it's a, it's a standard that is, like to me, th- its biggest value is it's anti-bike shedding for your API, uh, but it also has some cool, like you can pro- you can use it to build clients richly and stuff. So it's, it's very cool. You can check that out. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. We're excited about JSON API, and that's why we're nerds. <laughs> um so yeah there was there was talk of that man there was a bunch of stuff so uh we we've only got a few minutes to get uh to get the uh, to kind of cover the rest of this stuff a couple other things i i would like to talk about um at least to touch on uh jamie white's talk about community mm-hmm. i think everybody should watch that it's like the i think it will wind up being the canonical uh i think it will wind up being one of the canonical talks on how to build and grow a community um it was very well researched he sent out uh, a lot of 
surveys to people and gathered a lot of information about user groups, how this stuff is run, how you build and grow community. It's pretty, pretty scientific approach to it. And it was also very, um, like there was nothing he said as a person who does a lot of community work, there was nothing he said that was like, that I felt like, wow, that's not, that's not accurate. (laughs) Like everything was accurate. And it was stuff that I don't usually think to articulate. It's just stuff that you do sort of instinctively as you uh, work to grow a community that's healthy and vibrant. And uh, he, he did a really great job elucidating all of that. And, and the focus on community was probably a big reason why I, I really enjoyed uh, EmberConf and, and it kind of reminded me why I'm involved with this. I'm a very community oriented person. And so uh, his talk, the uh, recognition and connections that they put together for the people who manage user groups, um, all of that stuff. It was really impressive. Uh, the focus that gets put on the Ember community, I think, um, is their secret weapon. And if other if other programming language framework communities want to uh, engender the kind of, I don't want to say loyalty, but certainly sense of belonging that happens when you uh, participate in the Ember community, uh, it's not magic. There's specific focus work that goes into it. And Jamie did a great job uh, kind of laying that out. I think that, you know, I never actually, before I seeing his talk, I never knew about the guidelines page, which, you know, kind of explicitly enumerates the values held by the community. Uh, and it was, uh, it was inspiring, it, you know, because I think a lot of times, especially like for the first one, you know, it's easy to be, to be, to be closed and be kind of focused on your own work. And, you know, just saying like this, these are our values. We strive to be open. We want to be empathetic and respectful and collaborative and, and so on and so forth. And I'd actually never even seen that page. Um, and it was really, really helpful, uh, both to see it as kind of a, you know, a quick check and then also get the whole, you know, his whole analysis of it, which was, which was brilliant. Okay. So, uh, and then, uh, moving on through the day, a couple other talks that maybe stuck out to me. I thought Brittany, uh, Storos's talk was awesome. Oh my God. It was amazing. (laughs) That was was pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So I'll let you take this one, Stanley. You sure? Yes, please do. I've, I've just been I thought it was awesome. A lot, so. No, Dude, yeah, riff with it, man. <laughs> yeah, go go with it, Stanley. I, I want to hear chocolatey your... tones of your voice. Yeah, <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> the, <rich, yeah, laughs> the rich, velvety, velvety tones mm-hmm. of DJ I just imagine Stanley like Stewart. melted chocolate fountain every time, just right just in my being ear, drizzled yes. directly into your mouth. I guess I'll put on my Chad Kroger voice. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, it was really cool. Like it's uh, really everything I wanted to know about Embassy Life or more more uh, like custom build processes. So the context of the talk was kind of Firefox OS, but it was a lot of a lot of little different things of like, well, we need the command to you know put this code somewhere or run this a certain way or something like that. So here's how you make your own task. Uh, and uh, I kind of knew that Ember had some built-in tasks, but it wasn't clear to me like how to write your own. So that was very cool because uh, uh, one one thing I've kind of been missing in JavaScript is uh, something a little more akin to Rake. I mean, Grunt is nice for a lot of things, but it's not as nice to write or uh, the dependency story is kind of weird. But it was all live coding too, and uh, she did a great job. Like that's something I, I would never... Ch- try to do, but I, I feel like I learned so much about hooks you can use in Ember CLI. Mm-hmm. So very excited for that, especially as our applications grow larger, we're going to have to start trying to solve this problem as a community of uh, like loading, loading parts of your app so that you 
Like I, I envision apps will get pretty big in Ember one day where it just it it will be a very bad user experience to load the amount of JavaScript or CSS or whatever you want to load. So given that Ember Seal is our, is our pipeline, how do we break out new files and stuff? And being given that tour of the of uh, the internals was really cool. I agree. I I thought that was really cool. I thought it was actually a really cool sales pitch too for um you know, shipping stuff to the uh, Firefox OS. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea that, you know, that because you have these strong conventions, um, if you understand the underlying framework, like she she had sh- went through and showed us the, the pieces of the framework that you use to build a custom pipeline, one person does that work, and then there's a tool now to ship a Firefox OS application from Ember CLI by typing in some stuff, and it will generate the manifest type stuff for you, and it'll generate the configuration stuff for you, which is all that stuff is is... Uh, it's pretty exciting for building uh, web applications. Yeah. Um, I think you're going to see in the next three to six months, you're going to see as these uh, build tools become more robust for shipping things to Firefox OS and Cordova and whatever whatever else comes after that. Um, I think you're going to see some really cool uh, native uh, wrapper type stuff come out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, just, I'm, you know, maybe I'm wrong or remembering this wrong, but at the beginning of the talk, I think she was talking a lot about like, yeah, we were trying to write our own custom tool, and then we were like, nah. So they're actually using this for projects that are not Ember projects specifically, I think. Yeah. Was, oh, really? Wow. Well, that's maybe, a, that's maybe, a, maybe that I miss, misread that. I think, I no, that no, one. that's that's what I got to exactly, Stanley. She was like, I kept on cribbing from like, how did the Ember CLI folks do it? How did they do it? And then the, at the, some moment, she said, wait a second. Why don't I just not write this and just use what's already written for me. And so I think it's a testament to the quality of any really piece of software that if you can use it for something for which it was not intended at all, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a hallmark of, of good software, of being loosely coupled enough that you can really open it to extension in ways that the original authors had not imagined at all. So kudos to the Ember CLI team that this was, this was possible. I think, uh, I think that... That's really cool. Yep, and we don't we don't have a lot of time to get in into this uh, in terms of deep discussion. But I wanted to mention there were two separate talks about animation and transitions. Um, Edward Faulkner, who's uh, obviously famously in the Amber community at least, uh, has done the Liquid Fire uh, library, and uh, the uh, Brian Brian Langslet did a talk about integrating Ember and Polymer together. To both of which had very similar goals of helping a user maintain context by having fewer hard transitions between, uh, you know, you have these route transitions where you move state in your application. And historically, we just tear out the old DOM and put new DOM in. And that's becoming native apps are kind of embarrassing web apps on that. And so uh, there's a, a stronger goal to use visual elements and animation to transition and maintain user context between these different states of the application. Both of those talks were phenomenal. Uh, I, I liked that they were, the, in fact, they both had a, a similar visual approach to, to solving the problem that kind of is related to material design. And anyway, I, I thought they were both super awesome and people should check that stuff out. Mm-hmm. I, I'm excited for the future of uh, both of those approaches, uh, Liquid Fire for its ability to sort of drop in and and the ability to to build stuff just, you know, thinking that you can integrate Polymer and Ember at all is kind of neat. Yeah, just being able to pull all the stuff from the rich ecosystem of web components. Yeah, and then I, 
Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was I, I didn't have anything uh, more to add than that. Although I did notice that there, there's both an unofficial and official video uh, for for Edward Faulkner's uh, physical design talk. Um, really? Yeah. I don't know. Unofficial. I don't know what the unofficial is. It's like an iPhone, like a bootleg. A limited edition maybe it's bootleg. Like, you know, it's on uh, Romanian television or something. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> was, yeah, you can buy it on street corners in New York, uh-huh. and it's got like people standing up and walking in front of the camera. It's great. I have, oh, I also feel obligated to to notice or to to point out. I don't know if it went unnoticed by everybody else, but it didn't by me that uh, Edward Faulkner was using Emacs. Um, oh, only, I did not. Notice. The only speaker. Wow. Is there anything more, Charles, you could say? <laughs> like I said, I feel obligated. You know. uh, Charles, I, I have news for you, which is Emacs is a popular editor. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's, it's like it's definitely the Yeah, it's definitely the also rank. Yeah. Uh, no, no. Well, well it's a popular editor, editor, but uh, it's definitely Especially a little bit Torin. more punk rock. Yeah, after Torrent came up and, and basically tore it up. That was if if Emacs is punk rock, which it's not. It's more like bluegrass. <laughs> Emacs is bluegrass. It's only for dads. Uh, <laughs> With very very nimble fingers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. It's it's a picking in a string. Oh, you just get that drone. You hear? <laughs> yep. Like I'm just droning. Yeah. Uh, Emacs uh, it's, package updates should just play some uh, bluegrass. Tor- Torn was like Van Halen. He was doing like hammer-ons with the with the keyboard in Vim. It was amazing. <laughs> So uh, the the last thing I wanted to, that I had in in mind was just the really cool uh, lightning talk about Ember Islands that Mitch Lloyd from Gaslight did. Yep. Uh, seeing you know last year and this year I've and I actually am giving this uh, talk again in the near future, and it's drastically changed some of the ways that I'm going to approach uh, pitching this to people. The idea of sprinkling Ember into an existing application as a tool to uh, refactor toward an Ember style application using a statically, you know, hosted and, and, and run site server side generated pages and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh, historically, it's been pretty hard to do to Ember. Charles, you showed me how to do that last year. Um, I took the technique and gave a talk about it and um, he took it, you know, how many steps further and it's a, it's a uh, one liner. Ember, <laughs> yeah. It's an Ember CLI plugin and a, uh, and a rails gem. So it's like a one, one liner in both en- ends of the deal where, uh, you expose this thing as a little component, and then if you're using a Rails app, you can just include it with a one one line of uh, of markup. Right. Which is you super. Just bring in like, super oh, cool. I've got an Ember component, and that yeah. is the like I was telling Mitch at the the conference that is the way that we migrated Ember applications, where yeah, you've got, those, you have a statically rendered Rails application that's maybe got sprinklings of jQuery somewhere. You don't have to do a Big Bang rewrite. Or a Greenfields application, you can go. You can get there iteratively, and the way that we did it was by fleshing out the components. Uh, and so it's really easier than it ever has been. As long as yeah, I hope to see. Yeah, it. as long as we're talking about uh, the lightning talks. Good lord, the there were so many good ones. Uh, like the 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 Ember CLI M script in one, mm-hmm. where the guy was actually compiling C into his Ember CLI application. Like you do. Yeah, like you do. That was uh, that was that was fun. And then of course, um, you know what was it? Um, what was the other? Katie's uh, uh, Katie's, Katie's the, the, Ember, the Ember Observer. Emberobserver dot com. It's like uh, the Ruby toolbox for for Ember, um, where you can go, you can find out what solutions are out there, see how active they are, get them rated, um, be able to compare and contrast. Um, 
Yeah, um, each of each of those lightning talks could have been a full. A uh, I think each of those lightning talks could have been a full like thirty minute presentation, and 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 again, that's unusual. This is like nothing about this conference was typical or usual. It was uh, ex- excellent all the way through. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Definitely, Leia is to be you know given many kudos. Leia, Leia and uh, I'm assuming Kate helped organize tons of volunteers. Um, it was, I, I can't, I can't believe they pulled it off. It was an incredibly done conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, my hat is absolutely off to them. Uh, the closing keynote was great. Kind of a reminder that open source is about getting along and not being, you know, the competitiveness is nice. Uh, but let's not forget that we're all kind of on the same team to build a better web. There was, that's kind of the gist I got from it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, in my millennial speak, I summarized it as, don't be such a thirsty rando. <laughs> a salty rando. Yeah. Well, it was kind of it was kind of interesting because uh, Chris had like a slide of Jeremy Ashkenaz's thing where he's like, "Oh, hey, you know, like you know, Glimmer's great, but here's this like three lines of whatever things." So, I, <laughs> well, actually, I, I don't. I don't. I think there I actually use... was the, the 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 quote. Well, actually, in in that tweet. Yeah. Uh. Maybe. You're <laughs> no. like, no. Any, anyway, I am, I'm looking at I don't respond to these things, but it was EmberConf. I was feeling good. And I was like, well, this is cool, but you know, it has some problems and stuff. And then it was it was just kind of surreal to like have a slide that you know was about you because like he shows that and then on the next slide he's like, unsurprisingly, some people responded. Was like, <laughs> that was literally the first word of your response. So, yes, you got, you got subtweeted on stage by Chris Epstein at the keynote. So, All right. <laughs> congratulations, Stanley. <laughs> yeah, it, well, I guess it was kind of embarrassing. I was sitting next to Tom at the time. I'm like, is he talking about us? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's us. <laughs> so, I mean, Chris is totally right, though. So it was it was good that it came from a good place. And, you know, ultimately, he's right. So... He's he's kind of the dad open source needs, but not the dad open source deserves. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that the dad that open source deserves is definitely Charles. Uh, that is not true. <laughs> There's so many so many hugs to give, and so many uh, just so many people that need a good talking to. <laughs> you go to you go to open source with the dad you're given, not with the dad you deserve. <laughs> Donald Rumsfeld. <laughs> I, I think that was the literal quote, actually. <laughs> I mean, it's been a while, so I don't remember. Come on. It's been a while. It's been a while. Okay, let's close it up with the... It's been a while. Since I held my head up high. It's been a while. All right. Since I said I'm sorry. Thanks, everybody. And thanks for serenading us, Stanley. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll see everybody next I'm week. I'm available for weddings. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think are you are you just is that, are you just pr- basically proposing to the entire world? When you say yes. available for weddings, you just mean for your own wedding. This is uh, the internet, Stanley. This is no. no someone will take sing, you up on that sing offer. For, sing for your wedding. No, I think you. I think this is going to wind up being the best how we met story Ooh. ever. <laughs> we. I was have on this podcast an open relationship with the entire internet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. Let's get out of here. And uh, next next week, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll get something lined up and have something really cool uh, and some cool people to talk to. But this was fun to talk about uh, EmberConf and, and relive the magic, and which we can do anytime we open YouTube. Bring back the passion to JavaScript development. <laughs> the passion. All right. Take care, everybody. Have Bye. a great week. Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye.